This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 16 of the Emerald Flow Show. We are a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can follow us at Emerald Flow Show on Twitter. And if you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. And if you're so generous, you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show. My name is Gerard Detroit, and I'm here with Paul Vosh. Paul, how are you doing today? Oh, yeah, doing pretty fine. Getting through the second half of Summersault now, so looking forward to my vacation that is coming up soon. Did you just have a heat wave over there? Yeah, it was really bad. It's, we had deg- we had like up to 30 degrees Celsius here. Uh, yeah, we had uh, up to f- near 40 uh, yesterday and Sunday, but today it was only 24 degrees, which was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice when it's that. It's like if it's like mid 20s to like higher 20s, that's still okay. But once you get like above 30, it just starts to become unbearable. Absolutely, I've never been so happy just to even like last week. There were days when it was like 28, and I was never been so happy for it to be like 28 <laughs> degrees. I mean, I know Canada in general is a bit colder but it's still in north america so i assume you have ac in your house uh, yes. yeah because yep. we don't <laughs> right. so 38 degrees here with no ac is a bit different <laughs> yeah definitely for sure um so uh speaking i think of things that are hot uh i think the tournament season in japan is heating up actually uh we have the first uh, show of the royal road tournament in all japan occurred and it was, I would say, a pretty darn good show. Paul, what were your thoughts overall on the show? Yeah, I would definitely say this was really good. I would probably say this was either the best or one of the best Royal Road shows that we've gotten. Because I would say generally the Royal Road, like it's a solid enough tournament, but we rarely get something. Like generally the matches are in like the three-star range, I would say. But 
on this show we had two matches that like got above that and uh, like even the matches that might not have been as good in terms of like match quality felt important for different reasons so to me this was like a really really good show especially by Royal Road standards yep definitely and so um, we'll just have a couple of notes before we start the show I think very uh, relevant to all Japan is uh, first of all, I think this just happened like a day or two after our we recorded our last episode, and it was uh, announced that Ryoma Sukamoto, who injured himself again in training because he had torn his ACL, I think in last November, he announced that he was leaving All Japan, and it made it sound like he might come back to wrestling at some point, but uh, he's it sounds like he's going to be out for quite a bit longer with his re-injured knee. Uh, this sort of has uh, shag, uh, shades of uh, Tegan Knox, I think, in some ways, like injuring yourself as soon as you're about to like come back from injury. I don't get the vibe that he left on bad terms or anything like that. It was just like, well, you know, why stick around if I'm going to be useless for another six to nine months or maybe even longer? Yeah, it's actually the vibes that I got from this, actually. I think you can compare it to someone that we have actually recently seen in All Japan, and it's OJ Shiba, when he left Dragon Gate because he was injured all the time, but still wanted to continue wrestling whenever he was actually healthy again. So I think this might be a similar, situ- similar situation. It's, yeah, I'm just wondering where he can actually get bookings once he's healthy again, though. Well, I'm sure he can. Well, I mean, he came from Animal Hand Maguchi Gym, so I'm sure he can network and at least get on some indies or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, in that case, yeah, he can definitely probably get some bookings uh, after he's healthy again. But how long that will take, who knows, given that he has had two major injuries in like a very short time. I, I don't think it's a huge loss, but I did like his little like, I mean, he was basically like an Ishii, like a, stort, a short and stout guy threw a really good drop kick and I thought there was really good, like you know I thought he was going to be like a mid carter for life but I thought there was like a sort of place for him to be like a sort of a core like workhorse in the mid card that could sort of like be its sort of heart and soul type thing mm-hmm. yep um, yeah I agree he had potential how much potential it's just incredibly hard to say because we just haven't seen that much of him but I mean given that he has had these major injuries and still wants to continue wrestling definitely shows that he has the passion for wrestling so that definitely is a good sign for his for how good he could be going forward but again like injuries could definitely be a major limiting factor for him going forward yeah absolutely and in some other i guess i would call it negative news paul did you see jake lee's comments in this interview he did i mean sometimes i question who is actually doing more work to geekify Jake if it is actually all Japan or if it is actually Jake himself because it might actually be Jake himself yeah so basically he was like oh I'm feel humiliated that I didn't get selected for the G1 because Tanahashi said you know you should come to New (laughs) Japan and stuff like that and just just so makes him just look so stupid see and people said I was overreacting when I said they can't make this guy triple crown champion again but like how could you make someone like this triple crown champion how can you make someone that is sad that he didn't get into the tournament of another promotion the top champion of your promotion like sorry you just can't I'm not saying you need to like push him to like ultimate like lower card status or whatever but like you can't build your promotion around a guy like this like I think we just have to accept this fact now 
Yeah, I think so too. Although I'm not convinced that the company necessarily sees it that way. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they're still kind of like, I like, yeah, I'm still afraid that they might make him, him in the Budokan main event. But at this point, I think it's, I think we figured it out who's going to be the Budokan main event. Yeah. Uh, so the show was on August eighth uh, at Corken Hall. They drew six hundred and ten fans. Now that's a little down from what they've been doing recently. But I went back and looked at some of the non-finals shows in. Uh, Corgan Hall because they ran three Corgan Hall shows over the entire course of the Champion Carnival and they drew like 430 for like one and like 500 for the other so I wouldn't call 610 that bad I I would call it a bad number quite simply because they've drawn better numbers in Corrigan recently like yeah maybe earlier in the year they had some worse numbers than this but just comparing to what they've drawn in recent months in Corrigan, this is a significant step down, like by almost 200 people. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I can see it. I don't think it's a disaster, though. Uh, it's definitely like it's definitely if it's just a one-time blip. I don't think it's bad. But if that turns into like a continuous trend, then that's a worrying situation. But yeah, I think just as a one-off, it, it's not too worrying. But just so compared check- to what they've, like, but that's what I mean. Like, what they've drawn recently, like, it's definitely a significant step down from that. Now, this isn't the most scientific thing, but I checked the advanced sales for the uh, the final show on the 20th. And basically, I go to, like, the Lawson website, and there's, like, like the different sections, like, ticket prices. And then there's, like, a green circle, meaning plenty of tickets, a yellow, a yellow triangle for, like, you know you know a few remaining and then like red x for sold out in that section and the show on the 20th is already like has more like red x's for like the premium seats and more yellow triangles for the other some of the other sections than this show already had so i do expect that to to draw well Uh, yeah i mean it is still a final so i think that one definitely has a decent chance of drawing a pretty good number so let's get into the show itself. Uh, I don't really have much to say except on the undercard, except for um, I thought it was, uh, you know, there was a Voodoo Murders versus Eugene Nagata in Evolution match that ended in a, another disqualification when Suwama got disqualified. And, yeah, that was about the only sort of notable thing. And we would see more Suwama later. So the first match of the Royal Road Tournament... I would think uh, maybe what, one quick thing I would say on that DQ is uh, Suwama refused to hit Kyohevara with a chair. And I will just say that, uh, I mean, not to spoil maybe later results, but like if Kento, were su- mudu, uh, if Kento was a mudu, voodoo murderer, he definitely wouldn't have pulled back from that hit with the chair. Do you think Suwama was questioning why is he so violent? Maybe someone was questioning why he was so violent because then he only hit the other referee. Like he, like it was. I don't know. To me, it was definitely a notable moment that he refused to hit Kyohei. Yeah, uh, I think we can get more into that later because I think this is all going somewhere. Maybe. Um, so the first, yeah. So Jake Lee defeated uh, Renai Abe in eleven minutes and fifty-four seconds with the D4C. I like this match. It wasn't as good as the next two matches, but I thought it was a really, really good showing from. 
Ayabe, uh, you know, this was his his biggest singles match that he's had to date in all Japan, and I thought he he stepped up to the plate really well. There was a great spot where he did like a drop kick off of the um, the turn or sorry the the ring apron uh, to the Jake on the floor, and I have to give a shout out to uh, Captain Lou at Captain Lou Japan on Twitter who coined the term Ayabe Levers. As in, you believe in Ayabe, or you're going to leave yeah. because of him? No, you you okay. believe in Ayabe. <laughs> I have believers. Right. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. What I actually really liked about this match is how much they played up how tall he is. Because, because Jake Lee normally does, you know, like I think I remember him doing that spot with um, uh, with Irie in the Trapping Carnival where he basically, for the lockup, just raised his arm and dead area to get up to his level. Uh, and this time around, Ayabe was actually able to do that with Jake. And again, Jake is really tall. Jake is like 193 centimeters, I think. And I think it's very rare for him to not be the taller guy in the match. So I think that was a really nice dynamic that really showed off how tall Ayabe actually is. Yep, for sure. Although, you know, I didn't expect him to win or anything. No, absolutely but I not. Think, but uh, I think, you know, I think Ayabe performed well enough, and I think he's going to be a a full-timer at one way or the other, whether he signs a contract or not, yeah. I think, going yeah. forward. I think maybe one thing for him, though, is that he still needs to get better at emoting in the ring, and that's something that I'm a little afraid of because it's something that we have been seeing or we've been clamoring for Jake to do for years. And it's something that Ayabe right now also seems to be not very good at. But again, that's obviously like he's still really early in his career and he still has a lot of time to learn that. But just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's like the weakest part of his game so far. And so the next match in the first round was Takuya Nomura defeated Atsuki Aoyagi in 11 minutes and 52 seconds with a dragon suplex hold. Uh, This was pretty awesome. Uh, it was basically like you would think, like Aoyagi flew around and then like Nomura like used his strikes and tried to ground him. And there were some like great exchanges. Aoyagi got a lot. You know, he certainly didn't feel like he was getting squashed. I mean, Nomura is technically a heavyweight, but I mean, he's really junior size. So it didn't look out of place or anything uh, for him to do that. But just a great showing from Aoyagi, I thought. Yeah, no, this was a really, really good match. And I mean, also like the size of Nomura. I mean, that's where it gets kind of confusing, right? With the difference between like heavyweights and juniors in all Japan. Because Takuya Nomura is a heavyweight, but then his tag team partner is a junior. At least in all Japan. So, yeah, it's it's kind of confusing at times. Uh, But yeah, this was a really, really good match. And that's also what I thought like when I realized like, oh, maybe actually the working standard of this tournament is actually a bit higher this year. Because I don't think we've really seen matches like these in previous Royal Road tournaments. Uh, Certainly not in the first round. Yeah, especially not in the first round, yeah. Uh, and it definitely has shown, like, yet again, like, the growth of Atsuki Yagi that he was just, like, able to keep up with someone like Nomura here. And Nomura was also willing to give him quite a bit. And I think they matched up really well, where uh, Aoyagi was just flying around the ring and then Nomura was just beating the shit out of him. Like, I think I really liked that spear. I think probably my favorite spot of the whole match was when uh, Nomura hit a spear on Aoyagi and sent him to the outside into the guardrail. Like, that looked really nasty. Yes, definitely. 
And then uh, what I thought was the best match on the show uh, in another round one matchup, Naya Nomura defeated Yuma Aoyagi in 15:50 with his new move, the Infinity. Uh, I love this. You could feel the hate. There's some pretty stiff, stiff strikes in here. Some uh, Aoyagi took a crazy bump off the apron as well from a spear from uh, Nomura. There's a ton of kickouts, and, and then so you know Nomura had to like go to the like Aoyagi kicked out of the uh, maximum, so Nomura had to go to the well and come up with a new finisher, which sort of looks like a burning hammer, basically, I guess. Is that what you thought it mostly looked like? Uh, kinda, not quite. Um... But, like, like, but he throws him more forward, but it's not like Bianca Belair's KOD, where the person lands, like, f- flat on their, like, front. Yeah. So, so some, some sort of, like, hybrid between those moves, two moves, I thought. But, like, yeah, I would say definitely check out this... This match, if you like any of these guys, and I think it's uh, kind of more proof that they've got plans for Nomura going forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What I was actually thinking about when I mentioned it earlier that the standard of this tournament seems to be a bit higher because I was actually on this one. I was thinking about is this the best Royal Road tournament ever? Or is the is this the best Royal Road tournament match ever, at least so far? Because I was trying to think what other matches we've gotten in this tournament that have been as good as this one. Like, a, there's probably something I'm forgetting there, some final match with Kento. The Jake Lee versus Kento in 2019? Yeah, that one is probably, like, really far up there as well. But I think this one can definitely match up with that as well. Like, this was just excellent stuff. As you said, you could really feel the heat between the two. It's always something that's really important to me, that, like, if there's, like, noticeable emotion in match and I think that was here as well it also still didn't feel like this was like the finish of the feud either like they still felt nope. like they can keep going from here definitely and Paul uh, Yuma being that blonde yay or nay <sighs> I think he can make it work mm. I think it's definitely noticeable that he changed his hair then maybe that's something that we're going to talk about later. Maybe what he's going to do going forward or coming out of this tournament. Um, but I think generally Cameron improved. Like it is obviously like a change now. So like it, it's weird at first, but I think it's something that we can probably get used to relatively quickly. Right. Yeah. It's, I think it means something coming up, which is why I brought it up. Yeah. And then in a not-so-great match, the weakest tournament match on the show, although there was an incredible performance in it, Kento Miyahara defeated Taru in 15 minutes and 5 seconds with the shutdown German suplex hold, which I have to say I didn't expect Taru to take. (laughs) I thought Kento would would, uh, just finish him off with a blackout knee. Uh, I mean, okay, so Taru, the only wrestling moves he did is he did some kicks and he did a fire thunder driver. They brawled around ringside, leading to the legendary moment that basically, well, I mean, viral is a strong word, but it got a lot of attention where there was this little kid in the front row of the like the orange seats in Corican Hall, and Taru sees him, and he doesn't like, he sees that the kid doesn't like him, that he's beating up Miyahara on the outside. So he drags Kento over and then starts choking Kento right in front of this kid, and this kid <laughs> is screaming. His dad there, I think, 
sort of laughing at all of this because it's like you know this is the sort of thing you expect when you take your kids to a wrestling yeah. show right yeah i yeah, know yeah, i thought this was a really cool spot uh, and also kudos to both men from like fully capitalizing on it i guess they're both kind of starved for hearing an actual crowd reaction so when it's just a child crying in like a curriculum that is not allowed to make like like verbal noise otherwise i think it's very noticeable and i mean it was also right in the front row too so yeah. And I mean, they, they kind of went back to it later, too. Or rather, Kent yeah, went back well, to it. Like, that child suffered on that day. <laughs> I hope they gave him a t-shirt after the show or got to get a picture with Kento after the show ended. Yeah, I really hope, actually, that the kid has some talent for wrestling and is actually just, like, the person that just, like, retires Kento Miyahara in, like, 20 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you made me cry all 20 years ago in Kurgan, and now I'm going to end your career. <laughs> So that would be an incredible long-term booking. Yeah. So basically what happened after the match is that, like, Kenta went over to the kid, like, being like, oh, hey, like, you know, everything's okay. I won type thing. And then he, so he brings Rising Hayato over and he Talk about people tells, suffering. You know, you know, takes the shirt off of Hayato's, tells Hayato to give him the shirt off his back. He's look, pretending like he's going to give the kid the shirt, but he pulls it out of the kid, and then he, Kento puts the shirt on. He does this a couple of times, and then just goes to the back. <laughs> Such just, a Like, move. who's the real... Okay, so who's the real heel here, really? Um, I mean, it's not Savama, because uh, he didn't okay, hit the referee. So, so we got to talk about the post-match angle that actually happened before Kento taunting this child. Is... You know, Kento wins, does not have to join Voodoo Murders. Suwama comes over still and offers to shake his hand. And then Kento, like, waits on it and sort of teases like he is. And then Hayato gets in the ring and being like, no, Kento, don't do it. And then Kento throws Hayato out of the out of the ring, which at, th at this point I'm freaking out <laughs> because I'm like, oh, my God. We just got, like, this, they still did the stupidest thing yeah. they could have done. And then, and it, you know, they... They hold it for a couple of seconds, so you think Kento's turning, and then Kento kicks, you know, Suwama in the head, and gets Suwama gets chased out of the ring, and Kento's yelling at them, calling them idiots and and stuff like that, and so you know, Kento doesn't join, and then the the thing with the kid and Kento again happens after that. It was a <laughs> quite the finish to the show, I have to say. Yeah, it's, and again, I think you brought this up before, like where you're wondering. Is this going to lead to a Kento heel turn at some point down the line? And I, I, I beforehand I was like probably not because they're probably going to wait a bit longer until they build someone. But now I'm like not so sure. And to be honest, so, I wouldn't have an issue with a Kento heel turn by himself. I would have an issue if Kento is like just a member of Voodoo Murderers under Suwama, because that goes against the entire, like, because okay, here's the thing. So like the really the basis of Kento Miyahara's character pretty much the entire time since he's become the ace of all Japan is, yes, he's technically a face, but he's also a douchebag. He's also a self-absorbed douchebag, which is why he always comes out first, which is why everyone keeps turning him on him all the goddamn time, because he's the Sun King, and he will, he will tolerate no stars next to him. Like, he is the king right. of everyone so if he turns heel based off of that and forms his own faction, that's different than him just becoming Suwama's underling. Right. And this is why I've seen people 
compare Kento to Sting because everyone turns on him, but it's not the same. No. Because Sting wasn't Sting was just naive. No, he's Hogan. He yeah. is Hulk Hogan. It's basically everyone that turns on Kento Miyahara is perfectly justified in turning on Kento Miyahara. Just like everyone turning on Hulk Hogan was perfectly justified in turning on Hulk Hogan. So I came up with this idea. Paul, what do you think of this? Kento turns on that Cork and Hall show the day after Budokan. With the title. Uh, like yeah. He has the title and he turns. Yeah. yeah. Um, they haven't announced anything for that yet. Yeah, obviously they haven't announced anything for that show yet. Well, I they've announced some of the people who will be on that show. We'll, I which think we're we'll, about to get to in a second. Yeah, I think we'll get a good idea if that's going to happen when we actually know what match he's going to be in on that show. So my only concern about turning Kento on, I'm not really that big of a fan of it, is that I don't think like... Okay, so Jake's still technically a heel and he's a geek. Mm. No more is a heel... And we don't. They, they. I don't know what they have him on him. Is Yuma ready to like be the top babyface? It definitely feels early to pull the trigger on him, especially if there's like no other reasonably large babyface. Because yeah, as I said, everyone else is a heel that is kind of a upper guy in the promotion, really. I'm and it would to essentially think, be the Aoyagi brothers as the main faces of the promotion. Yeah, it really is. Like, who would be like the second biggest face after? Yuma Iga, yeah, and it probably would be Atsuki Iyagi. I mean, the downside of that is as well, like, if you turn Kento heel, then everyone else is also heel. Like, who do you have challenged for the belt? Or do you then immediately have him lose the belt to Yuma? But again, that doesn't make sense if you just made the big, if you just did the big heel turn with him. Oh, I think Kento should lose the triple crown to Yuma after this. If Okay, so like we're all convinced. Uh, we should preface this. We're all convinced that Kento's winning this tournament now. It's not going to be like yes, no, right? no, no. It's <laughs> it's. I think it's very obvious at this point that he's winning the tournament. Like it, that, you also get that when you like look at all of the like setup matches and everything. Like it's like the whole story is built around Suwama and Kento. Like it doesn't make sense yeah. for anyone else to win this tournament. As soon as they did that angle in Osaka last month, that set up like the Taru match, I was convinced that Kento was. Yeah. He's winning the tournament. Yeah, the only doubt I had about it is like, okay, is this maybe the dumbest promotion in the world and are they just going to force Kento to join Voodoo Murderers? And, but like the moment, like literally the moment, like, but like literally the moment, like the hand hits the mat to count free and the, map, the main event was over. I was like, okay, so Kento's in the main event of Budokan, like he's winning this tournament. Yeah. I was pretty convinced that Taru was not going to kick out of that German that shut down German suplex, not because they oh, wouldn't yeah. book that, but because he physically couldn't. <laughs> no, that too. It was like, maybe they're going to pull out the ref or someone, but like, I, I was like, yeah, literally from the moment he went up for the shutdown and went down, like I was like, yeah, okay, Kent is going to Budokan. Well, especially because of the way they did it, because Suwama was sitting at a table, like at ringside, yeah. and then Kono got hit with the powder. Yeah. So there was no one to say, like, you know, do any of that bullshit. And there was actually a shocking... Like, there was interference. Like, they beat up Kanto a bit at the beginning, and then there was some failed interference. But there wasn't not, there wasn't nearly as much interference in that match that I thought there would be. No, 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 there really wasn't. Like, I thought it was noticeable, too. I mean, maybe they just didn't want to, like, muddy up a main event of Gorkin, I guess, maybe. But then again, they yeah. did that, just did that in a Triple Crown match. So, yeah, it, it definitely was interesting. And like, like you said, like, it wasn't a good match, but I was definitely emotionally invested in a match, I will say. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, so we had a number of big announcements, and I would call them big announcements on the uh, 
the show for both Budokan on the 18th of September and then the Corgan Hall show we were talking about on the 19th. So Joe Doring's coming back, Paul, the eager, you know, that's something that everyone's been eager for, and that's yep. great. Impact superstar. But Paul, then they announced Christopher Daniels is coming to work those shows. The forbidden door to the Royal Road <laughs> has been opened. Yeah. <laughs> I know I saw some, I mean, we're actually going to do like a question section later. Yeah. But maybe we can just preempt one of the questions for here. Which oh, we'll was... get to it. Because okay. I, I think we'll, we'll then like, because we'll get bogged down on that one. Okay, so yeah. I could go on. I've got a lot of thoughts about oh, okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. So then, I mean, I'm just going to talk about in general what I think about like Chris Daniels on like All Japan. Like, I mean, he can still go. Like he has slowed down now, finally, after like 30 plus years or so of just being an excellent wrestler. But I think he can still go to a decent degree. So I think he's definitely going to be a fun addition to the card and during as well i think like like he is a part of the history of all japan so i think it's nice to see him come back for the big anniversary show oh absolutely i'm really happy that he's back for that show yeah it's do you think though that he is going to is it is this a one-off for him or do you think he's going to be coming back like a little bit more regularly going forward i hope so but i'm don't expect it yeah i'm also not positive on it because he just doesn't seem like a guy that wants to take that regular flight to japan anymore not under these conditions either yeah yeah that too and he's slowed down too right like yes. i liked his match against josh alexander but he still wasn't joe doring of a few years ago no 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 he's definitely not like 2015 joe doring or like yeah 2018 joe doring now so. paul he hasn't been announced to the show but do they put uh zeus on the other side of doring in whatever match he's in yeah, I mean, I'm fairly certain Zeus is going to be on there. It would be very weird if Zeus wasn't on the yeah. show, to be honest. Uh, so we have a bunch of other details. The Saito brothers are returning from their excursion to America and Europe. Um, so I, you know, ideally, I if if I had my choice, I would just have them squash uh, Toshizo and Minoru and win those All Asia tag titles. I was literally just about to say the exact same thing. So yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Because again... With those two, you can't go slow because they are already in the uh, like they're already in the second half of their thirties. Like they're 36. are they still thirty six or thirty seven? They no, they're thirty six. Yeah, okay, so they're they still thirty six. Yeah. yeah, but again, you have to do something with or them 30, now. No way. I think their birthdays are December eighty six, so they're turning thirty six or something like that. Okay, but like regardless, like you have to do something yep. with them now. So you just have to pull the trigger with them. Have them win the uh, All Asia Tag Titles in a really dominant fashion. See if they can go from there. If they can get reactions. If they can draw. If they get better in the ring. And if they don't, then I don't know. You can just quickly end it as well, probably. But if maybe if you have something with them here, you have to try with them now. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, super rookie, I guess Suwama's large son. Uh, Yuma Anzai will be debuting, and I have to say he looks like he's got that look of a future star. Yeah. That might be like a bit, you know, but he looks like the kind of guy that they would push as a top guy. Yeah, it's and just how much of a big deal they've had, they've made out of signing him as well, and how much yeah. Suwama has been gushing about him too. Whenever he's asked about him, I think that he's definitely going to get all of the chances he needs to succeed in this company. 
And so, and Yuji Nagata, Tiger Mask, and Minoru Suzuki have been announced for both shows, which I think was, well, at least Nagata and Tiger Mask I expected. Yeah. Minoru Suzuki, I actually kind of half expected to be on this, on the show as well, after he was on the, uh, was it the, the Giant Barber Memorial show? Yeah. And then he was in the main event of that um, six-man, the show that had the six-man yeah. tournament. Yeah. So... Like I'm not surprised that he's at the show. So and definitely a nice addition as well. Uh, as well with Tiger Mask. I mean that's not on the Budokan, but uh, another match that was announced was Tiger Mask and Kento versus Suwama and Black Tiger. And that actually was another spoiler for me for a match yes. for Budokan, unfortunately. So it's not. I think at Paul, this they, point we can they, say they it's announced not that be... at the beginning of the show, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, or or before the tournament matches, which was so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, New, New Japan would have never done that. No, but I mean, it didn't just spoil the outcome of the Kento match. It also spoiled kind of a the outcome. I mean, we know that Omori wasn't going to win, but unfortunately, I think now that means that Atsuki is not going to be in a junior title match at Budokan. I think it's going to be Tiger Mask versus Black Tiger. I, you know what? I didn't think of that, but you're right, and that's so. Stupid. Yeah, it's the. I know. Like I, I've, I've gotten over it now because it's been a couple of days since I figured this out. But yeah, if this hits you fresh, it's like, oh I, no. <laughs> I didn't like Tiger Mask ending Sato's reign, and I hate this even more. Yeah. Now that, like, oh God Almighty! Um, I mean, we'll we see. still don't know who this tiger, who this black tiger actually is. I think it's. There's a black tiger that's been I can't remember his name, but he he teams with Takaiwa sometimes mm. on the Indies and I think maybe in Genbare a couple of times. I think that's who it is. I mean, but, but is I'm, there I'm also a chance sure. that this is actually like an actual all Japan guy under the mask? It's possible. I don't know. Because like I think we'll probably be able to figure it out relatively quickly when we actually see this black tiger wrestle. Yeah. If it is actually the guy from the Indies, or if it is actually just again, yet again, just a completely new guy under the mask, uh, which I think that very heavily influences how I think about it. If it is just like an actual All Japan guy under the mask, then I have a little less of an issue. If this is just literally a random guy from the Indies that they bring in and have them like in a junior title match at Budokan, I think that's kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, so. Actually, we'll get to it in a second, but there's something on the next show that hasn't completely killed my hope of Atsuki versus Tiger Mask. Uh, so I was going to ask you, Paul, do you think there'll be more announcements coming on the 20th at the finals? Yeah, I, absolutely. I would hope because oh. then by that point, you can kind of like, because they can't announce some of the match sets because it would spoil the fact that people got eliminated from the tournament. Right. So, like, you're still going to get, like, announcements for, like, whatever, like, Yuma and Nomura are going to do. Like, I would guess maybe they have another singles match or maybe it, maybe we're going to get another, well, like, Atsuki and, like, another Aoyagi's versus Real Blood match or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to say, the first match of the Budokan was announced. It's the 50th anniversary special match. Masanobu Fuchi, Atsushi Onida, and Shiro Koshinaka versus Yoshiaki Yatsu, Masao Inoue, and the great Kojika. <laughs> and this will be also refereed by Keohei Wada. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's it's an anniversary six-man tag match. Yeah, like, oh yeah, fine. I know. <laughs> it's funny. It's just like, yeah. get get the old guys in there. Like, it's, it's okay. Kojika is like... Almost Ric Flair level, like yeah, hard to watch. Though. Yeah, he's he's eighty. He's actually eighty. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and he had he got like COVID like 
at the start of the pandemic and still wrestles. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, but... if he can still go now, then I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. Like like I said, it's just a six-man tag. Like, I guess maybe he'll tag yeah. in once, and, and that's probably going to be it's, it. It's so funny that Masao, in a way, is the worker of this match <laughs> in terms of who can do the most. Oh, Koshinak is actually, actually in pretty decent shape, too. Yeah, no, but it's definitely it's a definitely a weird match. Actually, the person that I'm very curious about what they're gonna do at uh, at the Budokan is Jake. You think Jake is finally gonna get that match with Tanahashi Senpai, who betrayed him so much? Yeah, but he's gonna have to lose that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course he has to. But like, it would just be funny if Tanahashi just like yet again just is just like I don't know who this guy even is, and then Jake is just in like a random like six man tag or something. We'll see. Uh, and, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, so you think Junakiyama's showing up or no? I don't know. He just feels like he's kind of, like, it doesn't even feel that he's just done with all Japan. It feels like he's kind of done with Noah, too, because this works for, like, a related promotion and never, ever shows up. Like, he just seems like he has just completely moved on and just doesn't really want to think about his past anymore. It would it would not surprise me if Akiyama might not want have things to do with certain things going on in Noah because he was there at one point like it was him and him and Marafuji mm-hmm. faced Kaito and in Inamura at one point right that that was a match yeah yeah like, no he did, like... they, 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 they did do that match once yeah but nothing else right no he has he hasn't so... done anything else with Noah since then um I mean maybe he's gonna repay the favor and team with Omori yep I mean, I could see maybe him doing that, but not nothing more than that. And that one's definitely going to be a one-off. Right. Uh, so a couple other notes. So on the next show, um, it will be Tiger Mask versus Hokuto Omori for the PWF junior title. And then Minoru and Toshizo versus Takao Omori and Ryo Inoue, which got canceled because uh, Minoru had a fever, but that's what moved to August 14th. And then it's, Toshizo versus Black Mensa Ray for the Gay Ori TV title on August 16th. And Izanagi is also out with COVID, uh, I think, until at least the 16th. Um, so on the show that will probably air by the time all of, most of you listen to this, uh, we've got Shuji Ishikawa versus Cyrus. I think Cyrus is winning that. Yeah. I think that was really noticeable on the undercard of Despastro. Uh, where yet again, uh, Ishikawa was selling his ass off for Cyrus. So yeah, that convinced yeah. me even more that he's going to give him the win. Uh, Shotaro Shino versus Dan Tamara, uh, which I think the result is obvious, but yes. these guys had a really good match in December 2020 at Corican Hall that I really liked a lot. And Dan has, you know, sort of developed as a wrestler more since then. So I'm actually sort of looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a potential to be a really fun match. Um, Takao Omori versus Ryoki Honda. Now, here's the interesting thing. Honda pinned Omori in the six-man tag at Korokin Hall. Do you think that changes the result? Because I assumed it was Honda. No, I still think Honda is winning because Honda is a champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Omori has never been someone that has been like coy about doing jobs. Right. No, no, not at all. So I think he would he would actually like want to use that opportunity to put over Honda. Yeah, that's a good point. 
And then I think uh, a big main event. Well, I don't know. They haven't announced the match order yet. Yoshitatsu versus Yuji Nagata. We we have gone back to 2006 New Japan. <laughs> yeah, evidently. So. I think the outcome of this one is also not really in doubt as well. No. I actually think this could be pretty good because I think Yoshitatsu will show Nagata respect and want to work hard. Um, yeah, I could definitely say that. I mean, again, that's with Yoshitatsu. It's like it's almost like a coin flip. Like you never know what you're actually going to get. And then as we said, got Tiger Mask versus Hokuto Amori for the junior title. Now, here's the thing. This, th- we've got Kento Miyahara, Rising Hayata, and OG Shiba versus Jake Lee, Yuma, and Atsuki. And I would ass- here's what I was thinking was going to happen. Atsuki pins Shiba, or maybe even Hayato. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out after like the junior title match and challenges for the title. I mean, again, I could see that happen, but I don't know. To me, the fact that they have this Kento and Tiger mask versus Suwama and Black Tiger, and if they're bringing in a Black Tiger, like the only reason you have a Black Tiger is if you have a Tiger mask, basically. Right. So that, yeah. to me, is like, like unless yeah, they don't really have time to squeeze in another junior title match, really, before Budokan. That's the other thing. No. Well, on the 20th. Maybe. Like, that might be the only way I could see them do it. But again, to me, this Did is you like... you think New Japan yeah. gave them an actual number of... You must have this number of defenses before Tiger Mask can drop. I mean, it definitely title. feels that way because they've never really done this many junior title matches in this short time. No. Like, that's well, not, They've done two back-to-back, but they've really gone three very close together which they have not done yeah exactly so that to me is kind of a tip off that new japan was basically like yeah you can have him win the title but he needs to have this many defenses mm-hmm. which also makes why bring out like an outsider black tiger so you're not burning off one of your guys but then again they've burned for a lot of their guys <laughs> like that's the weird part as well uh, yeah i don't know yeah so i don't it just gets worse every like <laughs> you know development in this title reign yeah. Okay. Uh, so some final notes. Uh, I listened to Tajiri on Rene Dupree's podcast. Uh, so you didn't have to. <laughs> Thank not you. Very exciting. It was not a very exciting interview. Dupree's not a very dynamic interviewer, as you can assume. Tajiri's English is actually not bad, but like he didn't because re- they were talking about his book. He didn't want to like give any like actual stories from the book, trying to get people to buy <laughs> the book instead. So Dupree would like get other stories that he would start telling and then then Tajiri would talk about it. Uh, I just thought some sort of f- funny and weird things was Tajiri called super crazy fat at one point. <laughs> I and feel like I that thought, was more like a, that, I mean, that feels like I haven't heard it, but that just feels like more like a friendly rib. Than, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah. But maybe he was mad that he took off to Noah, but we don't really know mm-hmm. the story about that. I have a feeling that it was an agreement that, Crazy would come in for a short run in all Japan and then go to Noah. Yeah, because he just immediately um, went like to Noah afterwards. Yeah, uh, and I thought what was sort of funny is he asks Dupree, he's like, "Who's training the young boys in Noah?" Like he didn't know that, and it was Ogawa. Mm-hmm. Dupree uh, said, and I think that we all assume that, which I just thought was weird that he would didn't know that. I don't know. I guess. Like, it's not, like, some secret or anything. Maybe he would have known who's... I don't know. It just seems strange that he was unaware of... Who he Like, he probably knows who's training in the New Japan guys, right? It's Nagata and and those guys. So, I don't know. It's just weird to me like that. But also, 
what I thought was probably the most interesting tidbit, uh, and this sort of ties into the question of who exactly is booking Noah, is that Dupree cryptically said, like, he said, well, I might not ever be back to wrestle in Japan. And he said he's got bookings in Europe in October once the N1 will be over. So Dupree was a Nosawa guy that worked together in All Japan, that worked together in Wrestle 1. I could see if it really is Kendo Kashin booking Noah, him, you know, not bothering to bring back Dupree. Well, what I'm wondering about, because I kind of have, because they recently booked two people that would point in the other direction because they're actually bringing back uh, Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf. So, right. and those two are also like full on Nasawa guys. So what I'm actually wondering... Well, maybe they can they also f- work at a different level than... True, <laughs> than Rene Dupree. But what I'm actually wondering is maybe they've split it. That maybe they've kind of separated responsibilities for the juniors and the heavies. Where Nasawa That's... might be the one booking the juniors and Kashin yeah, is the one I booking the heavies. That that, I could believe that too. Uh, that also makes sense. Okay, we'll just touch on this for real quick because it was the only one match I watched on the show. And Paul, you haven't watched it. The Zero One Final Fire Festival Finals from July 31st. I watched Daisuke Sakamoto defeat uh, uh, Yoshiki Inamura in 26 minutes with a um, wrist clutch German suplex. This is an incredible match. It might be my new match of the year. Just like they hit each other really hard, of course, and they dropped each other on the heads with suplexes, and they threw each other the out each other outside of the ring really hard and it didn't feel like it was 26 minutes and there was no very little downtime they were constantly just trying to kick the shit out of each other like go out and watch this match is what i'm saying okay yeah i actually will and watch I, this after we're done <laughs> recording here because yeah and we've been uh, gushing over this match a lot <laughs> and i think i got more angry after watching this match about something that we'll talk about in noah um so we'll move on to noah uh, so we didn't cover the July 21st or 22nd Corkin shows. There wasn't really that much on those shows other than some more poor attendances, but I don't know what Noah can really expect at this point drawing with this many people. I will just say I thought the open the triangle gate match between uh, Nosawa, Aita, and Kotaro Suzuki, they defeated Yamato, um, Dragon Kid, and Kajitora in 10 minutes and 18 seconds. Eh, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, well, it just happened to be kind of an okay match. I was also a little bit disappointed from this. Uh, the main event of Sugira, Fujita, and Kiyomiya defeating Shiozaki, Masato Tanaka, and Masa Kitamiya was pretty good. Uh, although Go did get injured in this match, but uh, thankfully he is back to wrestling. But you really should go and watch Daisuke Harada versus Seki Yoshioka from this show. Harada won. Uh, but it was really great. Yeah. No, I mean, these are probably... I mean, they're definitely close. They might, but they're definitely, like, two of the, like, top five workers in the entire junior division in Noah, I would say. So I, yes. I definitely went in with, like, high expectations, and they actually met them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next day, it was just a bunch of, um, you know multi-man tags again yeah. although i like the opener of daiki and naba defeating kenya okada in about seven minutes and 49 seconds in the main event of like keno funaki nakajima versus kaito kojima and mochizuki was another really good match but you know it was like you know show with yeah. all multi-man tags perfectly fine uh 
Paul, did you see the show on the 31st? Because I totally forgot and didn't watch it. Uh, no, I didn't watch that one either. But what I will say about it is that the attendance for this one was really good, though. Yes. Uh, so this was also like like a quote unquote like show like affiliated to Hiroshi Hase. I believe he was at the show. Yeah. And uh, I know All Japan would also do these Ishikawa, these shows at Ishikawa Industrial Exhibition prior to the pandemic, and they would also they would always draw like quite well for like even All Japan in 2019 doing like 13 1400 fans and I wonder if this show had a sponsor because I think those All Japan shows featuring Hase here also had a sponsor so that's quite possible um yeah no but again it's just for me it's just more fuel to my fire of my talking point of right. like you need to get out of Tokyo and just go somewhere else because you can actually draw better because again this show drew more people than the to like the previous two like Corican Hall shows combined. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, then we move on to uh, August fifth. I so I'll just point out what I thought was interesting. So Ogawa Susu, uh, Yuya Susumu and Kai Fujimura defeated Nosawa Eita and Super Crazy when Fujimura pinned Nosawa after a, belt, a failed belt attack, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the first wins that Fujimura has gotten, I want to say, because I'm trying to think if he's um, gotten any other wins. The, well, maybe over, like, uh, Yano. Yasutaka Yano, yeah. maybe. But, yeah, no, it was No, Yano would be a senior. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think he's ever gotten a win before. So, and it's certainly an interesting way to get your first career win. Um, yeah. A very, Nos- like, that Nosawa book, that, obviously. Yes, yes. Booking the juniors, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, other matches on the show I liked. I like Nakajima and Soya versus Green and, Ro- and Stallion Rogers. I thought that was a pretty fun match. Um, Daisuke Harada, Ninja Mac, and Seki Yoshioka defeated Kotoge, Dante Leon, and Yohei. So we'll stop here just to say I can't believe they're bringing back <laughs> Dante Leon. can't believe this either. <laughs> in like so mad. <laughs> like, Out of everyone you could book... This he is certainly is not back. the worst wrestler I've ever seen, but there's better like flyers on the like U.S. Indies if that's what you want. He just sort of sticks out compared to everyone else, and really in most matches they have him on like the other side of Ninja Mac, and it's like him and Mac doing their sequences. Mm-hmm. Like so, this you know. just really feels like they're liking Mac so much that they're willing to book his friend. Like that's really what this feels like because I don't really see another reason why you would bring this guy back. Yeah, no, I I don't know. Maybe they like him. I don't know. Like, it, I just can't see it. Like, Nassau was weird. Like, you know, what can I say? I mean, maybe he um, just sees a kindred spirit in Leon, I guess. I don't know. They kind of have a similar look. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, and then in a sort of fun, you know, special match, we had Kaito Kiyomiya, uh, El Hijo del Santo, and Ultimo Dragon <laughs> defeating... And, oh, and, and Alejandro defeating Keno, Tadasuke, Hajime Ohara, and Hiroki in uh, seven. It was only seven minutes and 53 seconds long, with, of course, Santo going over by making uh, Ohara tap to the camel clutch. Yeah, I mean, what else? I mean, that's definitely like that was the only way this match could ever end. Like, yeah. There's no way. Fine. Yeah, I mean, it was fine, but. Uh... Yeah, uh, it's definitely what was more worrying for me was like the angles that they shot after the match where Keno was basically challenging Santo. And it's just like, 
given no given reason happenings and no it's just like the jokes just write themselves basically well if nosawa isn't is only booking the junior division i don't think we have anything to worry about <laughs> <laughs> but if he's not then we have to worry yeah. and i mean like again i don't think anything will come out of this because we have the n1 coming up keno is not going to have a title defense before then and he's not going to like like santo isn't sticking around for that long like can like he isn't no. sticking around like past the and like for like months, basically. Like Santos happening. probably already left. And yes. It's just like one more booking after the uh, Dragon Gate Kobe yeah. World shows. Yeah, it just seemed like everyone like got into like Lucha mode because of this match and just started shooting their own angles like you would do on a Lucha <laughs> show. And then maybe it's going to pay off or maybe it won't. And then in the N1 um, sort of qualifier match because uh, unfortunately Timothy Thatcher is having visa issues and is not going to be able to participate in the tournament. Kinyo Okada defeated Yoshiki Inamura in 15 minutes and 18 seconds with a Japanese leg roll clutch hold. I thought this was good, but mm-hmm. it just never hit that like next gear for me. I don't know. No, it was also incredibly one-sided as well because it was basically like I don't like Okada got barely any offense and like I'm trying to think what he even did. Like when I'm thinking back on the match, I can only ever think about like all of the stuff that Inamura did. And really, just about the only thing that Okada actually did on offense was like the finish when he rolled up in Amora, more or less. So, Paul, what do you think is going on? Like, do they really not think that much of Inamora, or are they protecting him? I think and have other plans, and that's why he's not in the N one. Yeah, I think it might be that. Uh, I've also heard like kind of uh, people say that they didn't want to put him in this tournament because he had just been in the Fire Festival and they didn't want him right. to have go for like two tournaments back to back. Yeah, that that will drain you. Yeah, so like, and after I heard that, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can now. That, at that, that point, I was like, okay, I can actually see Okada win the match, and then Okada actually won the match. So I think that actually sounds reasonable. Where like he went to the finals of the Fire Festival, and I think yeah, I think it might well, be had a combination. Damn incredible match, I'll say that. Yeah, exactly. Like it might be a combination of them wanting to protect him and also not wanting to him to like do two tournaments like back to back to like say he can save up yeah. his body a little and then in the Naomichi Marafuji return match uh, Marafuji Go and Sugera defeated Kojima Masato Tanaka and Deki and Abba uh, when um, Go pinned and Abba with the Lariat most obvious uh, result ever that one seventeen fifty six. I thought it was a pretty good match uh, you know no six man formula good uh, Marafuji looks like Marafuji did before he got injured yeah right? it definitely uh, feels like he rushed back from his injury yeah but he doesn't look any worse no. i don't know but i think he rushed back because he's going on this u.s trip afterwards because he didn't oh, want to lose right, his yes. u.s bookings right and they probably pay well so exactly like he probably is like yeah and now i'm feeling like because he rushed back from this injury and because he wants to make that money on that u.s tour that we might see some sort of like i think he might be like i don't think he's retiring before muto but i think maybe like this time next year, we might see some sort of like Marufuji retirement show or something like that. Do you think that he is going to pop up in Impact? And that was one of the reasons why he didn't want to go out necessarily compared to just a bunch of indies? That might be the reason as well. I don't think he's going to AEW. No. Because again, it seems to be like the one promotion that literally has no relationship with AEW is... <laughs> yes. Is, uh, is Noah for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could definitely see him pop up in, in, in Impact as well. 
uh, I mean, but they haven't announced him for anything yet. Whereas no. he has been announced for a ton of stuff on the Indies already. Uh, Marfuji's in that King of the Indies tournament. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you think we have another Dragon Soldier B situation on our hands? Maybe. I mean, I could see that happen. There's definitely some confused. There's definitely some... That tournament is going to be interesting because of, like, kind of... Uh, promotional politics because SP Kento is yep. in that tournament too. Right. Well, I mean, I think those companies are working together so something can be arranged, right? I mean, so, SP I Kento know. definitely isn't going over on Marufuji though. <laughs> That's no, not happening. No. <laughs> I love no. him, but like, no. Come on. <laughs> and so, the main event of the show, uh, Hayata defeated Shuji Kondo in 19 minutes and 3 seconds with a headache. Uh, well, I'll say this. I like this well enough, and I will say it was one of the better Hayata uh, title defenses in quite some time. That was all thanks to Kondo, though. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was just yet another Hayata title defense. And I mean, m- most of this was Kondo beating up Oh, Hayata, yeah, no. But... No, I mean, Kond- Kondo was good in this, but it's just like, I'm just so over this title reign. Yeah, exactly. But... Uh... Hopefully that doesn't match much longer. So everything coming up is the um, N1 tournament. It will start on Thursday the 11th. First night uh, will be Kazuki Fujita versus Goshiozaki. Keno versus Ahiho Del, or, De, Dr. Wagner Jr. Misaki Mochizuki versus Hideki Suzuki. Uh, Masato Tanaka versus Anthony Green. Uh, Takashi Sugera versus Kojima. Kaido Kiyomiya versus Jack Morris. Masakatsu Funaki versus Kinya Okada, filling in there, and Katsuhaku, uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Masa Kitamiya. Uh, and then I'm not going to go through the whole tournament, but just, Paul, let's look at the final night real quick, and then we'll do some last minute predictions. Yeah. Final night Go Shiozaki versus Hideki Suzuki. This is block A. Mm-hmm. Keno versus Kazuyuki Fujita. Masato Tanaka versus Hio Dr. Wagner Jr. Masaki Mochizuki versus Anthony Green. And then in the B block, Masakatsu Funaki versus Takashi Sugera. Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kenya Okada. Kaito Kiyomiya versus Satoshi Kojima. And Masa Kitamiya versus Jack Morris. So, do you have any last minute sort of predictions or anything like that now here? I mean, for me, it's interesting how is Kenya in a turn being in a tournament, how is that going to change the booking? Because he's obviously yeah. not going to get the same amount of wins if he even gets any wins as mm-hmm. um, as Thatcher was going to get. What I'm actually wondering about if his one win might actually come here, where he might spoil Nakajima. Yep, that's very possible. And then so who? Well, and Sugera spoils. I think Sugera beats Funaki here. Yeah, yeah. And, and because I'm I think thinking... the B block comes down to Kaito versus Kojima. Yes, and I think Kojima's winning, yeah. and I think Go's winning block A, yeah. and then Go gets his win back. Yeah, yeah, that's basically my prediction as well. So I was kind of worried when Go picked up that injury, because to me, he's the clear favorite to win it, because he's just never won it as well. Like I yeah, think... well, he's never, yeah, never won a global league either. Yeah, exactly. Like, this feels like the prime moment to give him a big tournament win, if you want to give him I one. Think... I think Go is losing that title match against Keno, yeah. and I think, I I mean, my idea, I, ideal situation is, is Kaido beats Keno on January 1st at the Budokan. Yes, I think that's just because the most you, logical story you, to tell. 
go full story from their match the previous year. Yes, exactly. Like you just go full circle. You have Kaito again, like overcome Kano uh, after he knocked him. Like because he literally got knocked out. Like it wasn't that he got pinned. He got knocked out. So I think that's just the best story to tell here. Uh, what I'm wondering though is if we're gonna get a Fujita title challenge out of this because he's facing Kano on the final night, and I think he's spoiling Kano as well. Yep. Uh, it would not shock me. There's like a one or two. Well, there'll be the defense against the winner, but I think there's still one more defense between that and January 1st in the schedule if you just go by the size of the buildings. Yeah. Because there's the Ariaki, I think, that Keno versus Fujita at Ariaki. That makes sort of sense, right? Maybe. I mean, you're going to have to put a pretty decent Muta match on that as well. Yeah. Uh, well, also, Paul, they've brought out the Muta on in Osaka on September for that September 3rd final Actually, show. Actually, just very quick on Muto and Muta. So this is a match that he had in Dragon Gate count as one of his five final matches, or have has he already gone back on the number of final matches he's going to have? He had a, there was already, a, like, 24 hours after the initial retirement announcement, he was already floating, like, five or six, despite saying five, at the Cyberfight Festival. So it's an elastic number. And actually, that's an interesting point. Like, does he? What are the chances of Mudo at the All Japan Budokan? I mean, that depends what his relationship of the promotion is right now. Because uh, he worked shows for them, like true. under. Well, that would have been the Akiyama thing, like in 2017, 2018. So I mean, it definitely would make sense for him to be on that show if you really want to make this like as much of the history of the promotion as he can get onto the show, basically. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe he doesn't want to do it. That's fine, I guess. Maybe. I mean, maybe he's not. Maybe if he doesn't want to do a match. on the show or something. I mean, if if he doesn't want to do a match, like, you could at least do, like, an appearance where, like, you just have, like, him, Kawada, and, like, Kobashi, like, standing in the ring and, like, waving at the crowd or whatever. Oh, no, Taue? Oh, Taue, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's almost like he keeps getting forgotten as the pillar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You can have those like in the ring, and you can like hold up like a picture of Masawa or something. So yeah, and Baba obviously. So what I was gonna, I was gonna say is, did them then announcing Muda at the um, the final show at Osaka Edion, Does that like think they were freaking out about ticket sales? I could definitely see that. Um, seems a bit early because that show is still a while away. Uh, it's September third, so it's less than a month. Yeah, but. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely weird that it's like... I mean, like as, like we talked about before, where it's like... It's not like the Muto match, like at the Budokan, like why that didn't really help draw is because, well, it's not going to be his... Like, it's one of his last matches, but it's not his last match at Tokyo even. So this is being billed as his last appearance as the great Muda in Osaka. Yeah, that, that's a lot of qualifiers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so I that... would probably... If I was... if I lived in Osaka, and I think that I wouldn't be able to make my way out to the last Muta match ever, I would probably buy a ticket just based off of that. And the fact that it's the N1 finals, obviously, but yeah, I don't yeah. know, it's kind of hard to predict if it will help the show draw. Well, actually, yeah, is this Edeon, like, is this number one or number two it's, for Edeon Yeah, Arena? it's number one. It's number okay. one. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't run number two for the finals. Yeah. <laughs> They're above that yeah, yeah. Uh, so, at this point. Then definitely, like, any, for... that definitely, I, I could see that help drawing. 
All right, so that's Pro Wrestling Noah, and then we will move on to questions that we got off of the Voices of Wrestling Discord in Twitter. So we'll start with the Discord uh, from Valky, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, Paul, you're close to Central Europe. <laughs> I was in Prague. I was in Prague recently, but I don't speak Czech. So, Valky, 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 Valky. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Um, but. I like where he starts with this. Why did uh, Yuka jobber uh, Hikari so hard it made her such a geek and now nobody will buy into her? I think TK should save her. What do you say? Well, I'm glad you asked this because this is a very controversial <laughs> thing. And I will say I enjoyed that Yuka Sakazaki versus Hikari Noah match. I enjoy Yuka as the grumpy veteran because I think she's actually going to end up losing in the semis. And uh, I was not – like people are freaking out that like she's burying – uh, Hikari Noah and uh, that you know she was being unprofessional no it was just completely her just leaning into the grumpy veteran role and I'll say this and to be brutally honest I think Hikari Noah has the least amount of upside of any of the up up girls okay now onto the real question how do you feel is Noah and all Japan positioned within the uh, wider Japanese wrestling scene and where do they stand at the start of 2023 if we assume borders and venue venue limitations open will Noah sell out their evening Korokins against Wrestle Kingdom I'm not asking what they can do because that is too peering much in the crystal ball but I think prediction of attendances for the New Japan shows if limitations go away is interesting thing to come back and see how wrong right you are I think Noah will do fine on the um, Wrestle Kingdom week Korokins yeah. because uh, like everybody does well <laughs> uh, for the sort of you know the January first New Year's like period in Japan, right? Yeah. I think maybe if we look at like the the New Year show, like the Budokan that they ran like this year for that, so they had three thousand eight hundred eighty-one fans for that one, and I definitely think they can draw more than that. I think they can definitely exceed that next year, especially yeah. if you really what? have that like. If you properly build that Kano Kaito match that we kind of think they're going to do there, I think that definitely has a really good chance of drawing a pretty good number. Well, he's also asking about the Korokins against Wrestle Kingdom shows. Yeah. Which I think. He, uh, have they even announced two nights of Wrestle Kingdom officially? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they've announced that yet, but I guess so. But I think those Korokins will do fine. Yeah. Where All Japan will be. Well, I'll tell you, I think we're all Japan will be at the start of 23, 2023. We'll have a lot to do with how the Budokan show goes yeah. and how they book coming out of the Budokan. Because if it's Kento leaning around the voodoo murders, <laughs> uh, I don't have a very good feeling about that. But if they pivot after Budokan to the, the, like the Yuma and Naoya and Nomura, then I think they will be. And I think this year's real world tag league will be actually quite good. Um, so that would basically depend on how they come out of the Budokan and if they, you know, pivot to the young talent after Budokan is my opinion on that one. You know what, actually, you know dis- what, actually I'm going to take a prediction. So, because for the, for the Noah Corrigans at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, I don't think they will sell out, but I do think they will sell more than a thousand tickets for Corrigan. For either that's show. A, that's a pretty reasonable prediction, I think. Because they drew like, 400 and 300 something people this year for those but those were still with restrictions yeah uh so from prince first ask who is jack morris and uh buddy nobody knows well jack morris is a 20 year old wrestler from from dunfermline 
five in Scotland in the United Kingdom. He has a background in football. Uh, he has his in-ring career has been going since 2017, so he has an in-ring experience of five years. His nickname is Sublime every time, and he played in the second Scottish football league for Cowden Beef. However, you pronounce that. Oh, I did not know he was a soccer player. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and so, but really, uh, now that Okada is in the N1, also notes that they need to change that name, uh, no, which I, I agree. No, I highly disagree with. I completely disagree with that take. Really? No, because okay. I've, I don't think there's a reason to change his name. Like, I've never had any issue distinguishing between no, the Okadas. The N1. No, the N1. They need to change the name of the N1. Oh, I thought, oh, I thought they had to change Okada's name. No, I think it, Prince means the N1 oh. name has to be changed. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the N1 came under when Ledette owned it, and Ledette was totally doing the let's copy everything yeah. that New Japan yeah, yeah, is doing yeah. type owners, right? Yeah. I would maybe yeah, come up with, like, I don't know if you can revert it to Global League now. It's kind of weird that you no. called it. Like, maybe come up with a new name that is more like Noah-specific. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's a smart choice over Inamura or just to, a way to even out the differences in their spots in the cards? Well, we did discuss that, but I think that, you know, they're doing something with Inamura. Whether it's just protecting his physical condition by not putting him in another singles tournament is quite possible. Because, yeah, Inamura has obviously gotten more chance to shine, even though he's not as pushed as hard as I think he should be. I mean, what I will say, I mean, we've been banging on about this since we started the show is like, that they should do something with Okada and they're finally doing something with Okada. So I'm just happy that that's finally happening, even if it was born out of necessity rather than really will on their end. But maybe he just performs so well that they just have to push him coming out of this tournament. Yeah, that would be the ideal thing. And then also, have you noticed a change in Noah booking as Kendo Caution is supposedly, supposedly the main booker, or is it too difficult early to notice it? Um, I think I think the most likely scenario is that Kendo Caution's booking the heavies, and um, and then it's Nosawa with the juniors. And what I I guess it's a small thing, but Kendo Caution's sort of mixing up the teamings of the heavyweights in the like the main event six man tags on the spot shows. Before it was a lot more team based under Nosawa. Yeah, I don't know. That's he's definitely that's mixing up thing. it a lot more. Like he doesn't really pay that much attention to the stables. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, I think Keno winning, well, Keno winning might have to do with Mudo retiring, maybe. But I mean, I think Kendo cautions a little. M- what people think is that he's more open to the younger talent. And so the N1 will be a good judge of that, right? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we'll know if you get a very different booking styles in the N1 will be a really good way to know if Kendo Kashin is booking the heavies. Yeah. Next up, uh, Rika Tatsumi. Uh, thank you very much for the question, Rika. I loved your match against Suzume. Uh, is NXT Japan back on the table? And who will be your next NXT Japan ace? Uh, well, I don't think so, but never say never with Paul Levesque in charge, and it will be Jake Lee. Um, I'm definitely somewhat afraid that it is back on the table, because last time it was on the table, there was the rumor that they were just going to buy like all Japan and turn it into kind of NXT Japan. Well, they, all, they tried to buy, what, Dragon Gate, yeah. Noah, yeah. and... Which, again, that's the whole reason why Noah is owned by Cyberfight in the first place. Yeah. Um, and But then, obviously, like, 
the like all Japan rumors were also very much tied to like that Jun Akiyama was the person that wanted to sell to uh, because yep. he was also supposed to be a coach and that's obviously off the table because he like A he's no longer involved with all Japan in any way and B he's the coach at uh, DDT now so I think it's still on the table it's just at this point like who which promotion would they even have a relationship with with that would allow them to do that because again there's also a lot of people in Japan that are in Japan that are in power positions in Japan or have like influence at the very least that they no longer have a good relationship with like see uh, Suzuki who they fired they fired Kendo Kashan like I don't think he wants to anything to do with uh, with WWE anymore so and again to me the Jiro other thing is as there. well is like how much is like Paul Levesque actually wanting to like do big investments right now because I th- I think well, I think Paul Levesque has plenty on his table. Right yes, now. exactly. Like he has to like. But, but I would I, w- I would say and this, an NXT yeah. an NXT Japan is slightly more likely than it was you know before Vince left. Yeah, it's no longer zero percent percent, but now it's like zero point zero 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 one percent because to me just every sign points to them just gearing up for a sale. And if you're gearing up for a sale, you're not starting like. Like this would be a very capital-intensive investment to be making right now to start a completely new thing in a different country that you haven't been active in before. Create like a completely new subsidiary. You have to buy a ring. You have to buy all kinds of like set up all kinds of like facilities, hire people. Like that costs a lot of money. That's not something you're doing when you want to sell. It's it's also not worth doing until all pandemic restrictions in Japan are are lifted. As far as I'm yes, concerned. Yes, yes, absolutely. Also. It doesn't make sense right now and. In theory, if NXT Japan would start, who would be the ace? Jiro. Well, that's sort of the interesting connection to uh, um, All Japan. Is there's still Tajiri around, right? And he's you know close to Jiro. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. So we move on to the Twitter questions. And I think this first Twitter question is a great question. It is the question that I think are on is on everyone's mind on sun in one way or another from uh, Tenise Saria at TEN410. With the news of Christopher Daniels coming to All Japan, what are the chances we see Kento Miyahara on an episode of Dynamite? Well, it's a lot higher than it was last week. Although... I think actually you're more likely. I don't think it's impossible by any means, but I think if that happens, you're more likely to see a Yuma Aoyagi or or even a Yuma Anzai on Dynamite. Paul, I still think it's pretty unlikely, just because AEW already has so many relationships in Japan, and it just seems they seem yeah. so much more focused on their uh, relationship with New Japan. Compared to all of, compared to their relationship with DDT, for example, like it seems like they really only wanted to get the cash out of the DDT relationship, uh, and then otherwise they really want to focus on New Japan because that is just the more prestigious company to have a relationship right. with. It is more likely now. Think... I still would consider it to be pretty unlikely. Like the thing that I, if it was just some random person from AEW, I would consider it to be really unlikely. Now, it is Christopher Daniels who actually does have a pretty influential position within he, the company. He was on. He was in the video at the DDT show announcing the relationship yeah. between DDT and AEW. Yeah, so he clearly seems to be like the the guy that does these kind of Japan relationships. Like he really, 
Like he's an office guy in AEW. So that yep. definitely makes it more likely that there might be something more coming out of it. But yeah, I wouldn't put money on Kento popping up on Dynamite anytime soon. So the reason why I brought up Yuma, both Yumas, Yuma Aoyagi and Yuma Anzai, is that, you know, Tony Khan's talked about he's, he's willing to work with anyone. Like, because people were asking him about even working with WWE. And he, like, tried to say he was open to it, but he didn't think it would happen. What do you think of them just trying to get their tentacles even just a little bit in, in every company in Japan so they can poach talent if they see someone? I mean, could be because that's very clearly what they're doing with Takeshita right now. Oh, do you think Takeshita is staying? I think they're definitely going to try and make a play. I think they're definitely going to try and get him. If they will get him is another question because people are still pretty loyal in Japan. But if they poach Takeshita, does everyone else, like not just DDT, but everyone else close ranks? Probably. I mean, New Japan is probably... Except for New Japan. Yeah, New Japan is probably still going to be fine. I think definitely all Japan is going to be a lot more cautious if that happens. And of course, does that burn bridges the cyber fight? Mm, I don't know. I mean, but again, like I feel like they re- like that relationship in the first place felt like a Kenny Omega thing. Yeah, like, it seemed to be very much like led by Kenny Omega because otherwise there haven't really been that many AEW guys popping up in DDT, and it's really only the only other person that has gone the other way is Takeshita. So. To me, I don't think, like, if they can get a, p- a performer on his level, I think they might be willing to burn that relationship to get him. Yeah, and I, what I would just say is that, well, you can debate about DDT attendances with no Takeshita, but even if they offered it, like, Kento Miyahara, like, okay, you can come back to the big shows. No, like, all Japan needs him for every yeah. show. They need to draw him for spot shows, so... Yeah. That's also, again, why I'm like, they're probably, like, again, the same with Yuma, because, again, if we're talking about if they turn Kent to heel and then have Yuma as the top face, then they also need Yuma in that position. So then yeah. they're not going to be willing to send him either. I just think, like, they would bring over young guys to, like, sort of give them a little kick of the tire type thing to yeah. see. And that's why I was like, Yuma, Anzai, Yuma, Oyagi... I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know. Hokuto Mori doesn't seem like a TV American no. TV wrestler. Um, who else? Atsuki, maybe. Renayabe actually is someone. Yeah. I mean, he's not, but like an all Japan guy directly. But like again, but he's tall. Exactly. Uh, he can uh, face Satnam Singh. <laughs> yeah, he did someone. Actually, you know what? You know, you know who all Japan can send over to. You oh know who they can God. send over to AEW who can. Maybe if all if AEW wants to take him as well, they can send Drake. Yeah, I thought you were going to say AEW should send Satnam Singh to All Japan for some training. Which <laughs> I would mean, work. that's not the worst idea either. He's not the worst tall non-Japanese guy that they've brought in. No, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, well, yeah, you can have Jay. <laughs> Which is why I said, like, Jake should be the NXT Yeah, Japan just make that well. a talented change. Like, sometimes Singh versus against Jake Lee, and then just swap him. All right, so next up, question from Andy at Trilly Robinson. If you could do a straight-up three versus for three trade between the rosters to improve them from company and wrestler perspective, who would you move and why? 
Well, I thought about this because the problem here is that All Japan's roster is so, like, not as deep as Noah's. So I came up with this wild idea. Shuji Ishikawa, Hikaru Sato, and Izanagi for Yoshiki Inamura, Yasutaku Yano, and Seki Yoshioka. So you trade two big guys or one big guy for one big guy, and then I trade out some of the older juniors for younger juniors. I don't know. Um... I try not to be so ridiculous and steal, like, you know, Kaito, Inamura, and, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe what I would do, like, one person that I would maybe, but that would definitely send from uh, Noah to All Japan would be Kenya Okada. Because I think that's actually, like, that's an improvement from, for All Japan, and it's also an improvement for Kenya. I mean, maybe not anymore, given that he is now in one and maybe what comes out of it, but, like, just based off, like, let's just say, prior to him being in the N1. I think that's definitely improvement for him, for his situation. Uh, then to Noah, I would send Takao Mori, uh, because I think that would be like, because he is kind of a Noah, like not a Noah original, but he's one of the like original Noah guys, basically, I think makes more way of saying it. So I think that would be like interesting to, to him to have like one last run there. Um, then as well from all Japan to Noah, uh, I would maybe send someone. I mean, the question is as well: Is this going to be a permanent thing, or is this just for like a quick run and then they come back? Yeah, that 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 would affect it, I suppose. Yeah, because for example, I would maybe like send someone like Omori, uh, like uh, Hukuto Omori as well to Noah, to give him like because he's never really done much outside of all Japan. So I think just like. He has never done like an excursion or anything like Dragon that. Dragon Gate show. So just give him like a quick run to Noah to get like a fresh perspective. I think would really help him. Um, then as well, sending the other way from Noah to all Japan. Uh, I would maybe send someone like uh, yeah, actually Seki Yoshioka actually would be a really interesting one because I think he could. Because I don't think they're ever gonna push him more than they already yeah. have. I just get that feeling. They gave him the gold watch title run, and that's yeah, it. I don't think it's really yeah. going to do much else. Um, actually, uh, well, I would maybe send Hideki, <laughs> but just because I want to see Hideki <laughs> work in all Japan. Um, and then maybe going the other way from all Japan to Nova, one more guy. Um, but again, that's really the problem where the, the all Japan roster just isn't that deep. I would actually, again, if this is just like a quick excursion thingy rather than like a full like switch, I would maybe like send Honda as well for like a quick run. Yeah, actually, I think he would yeah. be in there. Well, so yeah. I think like, because like maybe, yeah, as you said, like sending an Amor the other way, but I, I kind of want to see those two against each other. Or even team. Because yeah. yeah, teaming actually would be even better. Yeah, that would actually be really cool. For sure. And then so next question from Ewan Taylor at Slurm316. While attendance restrictions are still an issue for Japanese promotions, what is the benefit of groups like All Japan running the Budokan when they are struggling to get fans into Corrigan Hall? Surely this must be a big financial loss to run such a big building. Well, there's a couple possibilities. Uh, first of all, there's probably a discount on the Budokan, uh, even though some, I don't know what the actual attendance restrictions are. But at the same time, it's like Budokan was a major, like, 
you know, martial arts thing. And it was martial arts tournament featuring international talent. And it's also a very famous concert hall uh, where there's been a number of like live from Budokan albums like yep. Bob Dylan and Cheap Trick both have live from Budokan albums like the Beatles played there. So they're not getting those type of uh, musical acts in there. So there's um, obviously going to be a reason to make a deal. Also, it's quite possible that this is a sponsored show and the sponsors are going to take a role in selling the tickets. So Carbel Udo is shelling up for the Budokan is also a very big possibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, really, as I summed it up, like, it's really a prestige thing. Like, Budokan, like, I don't think it's yeah, really it's known, like, I don't think show. people outside of Japan really know how much of a big deal it is to run Budokan. Like, that yeah. just is, like, it's, like, if you ask, like, up-and-coming Japanese artists what their dream is, their dream is to perform in Budokan. So it really is just kind of a thing where, like, as a promotion, even if you take a bit of a bath or even if you lose out, like, it's a 50th anniversary show. You can't run that out of Korokan. Like, that just is not a reasonable thing. Like, even if all Japan is, like, significantly diminished from what it used to be, like, that would just be humiliating to run your 50th anniversary out of, like... And doing Sumo Hall at the 50th anniversary wouldn't feel right. Like, Budokan, that's the event, like... you can run, like, if all Japan was still, like, decently sized, they might even try to run, like, Tokyo Dome. But, like, they're way too small for that now. So Budokan really is, like, it's a highly prestigious venue that you still, if you put on a good card, you have a decent chance of selling out just based off of the fact that it's your 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I would say that the goal is, is would you consider 3,000 good or disappointment because it's the 50th? don't really have a good feeling for what all Japan actually can draw because again we know that Noah can draw this but they've generally drawn better than Noah in Korokan but in theory all well, Noah yeah, just has so many so much more budget than them that they should just easily outdraw them yeah so yeah I would say well that's exactly how Noah started out drawing all well the pandemic happened but it was clear that it was probably going to yeah. happen with cyber fight behind them because in 2019 like all japan drew about eighty-four thousand people in total that year and and um noah drew about fifty-six thousand, and that's including doing five thousand at sumo hall but the thing was that the all japan spot shows were considerably draw out drawing noah spot shows i mean even as recently as 2019 there were still like 150 people at noah spot shows whereas like all japan would do a small spot show would still be 250 but three four hundred five hundred even at spot shows would be a much more regular occurrence for all japan than noah yeah and then uh from patrick at at shut up patrick patrick with a k uh is Kento just Sting, but with people turning on him being justified? Well, we discussed this. That makes him Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. You know, Sting's naive. Um, you know, I think it's an, it's sort of funny, though, if you consider how long he's been doing that, though. Yeah, no, I mean... Yeah. Right? And under, under normal circumstances, six years, because it's been over six years now, six and a half years since he first won the Triple Crown, that almost like if things were different, like a heel turn would be a lot more justifiable, but it's, but it's just that like the pandemic happened and the company has been unable to really make another draw is why I'm so nervous about this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, no, it is definitely concerning, but 
yeah i mean as we talked about he's just hulk hogan like he's not staying he's hulk hogan like he's also drawing so like he can't be staying <laughs> yes that's very true uh yep yeah, uh which is something that it's sort of funny though because everyone seems to be a sting fan but he never was really that big of a draw outside of the start yeah of no i i like sting angle. but like and especially now like it's really interesting to see that he's like him as this just like old man still taking like wild bumps like all the time it's kind of nuts to see but like he was just he was never really a big draw great performer though like great performer no well, I mean, early WCW numbers should tell you all, really, yeah. unfortunately, what Sting really was a draw yeah. most of his career outside of a couple of moments. Next question from Dylan Fox of the Eastern Lariat at Viva underscore zero. Who would be your picks for having the greatest singles junior and heavyweight title reigns in NOAA history? Well, for the heavyweight title, I think it's obviously still to this day, Kobashi. Yeah. I would say Go's reign in 2020, 2021 might be... Might be number two, honestly. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that as well, and I was like, very quickly settled on the Kobashi reign as well. Um, yeah, second one might actually be more interesting to discuss as well. <laughs> and I might also. I'm going to go with Go because yeah. I'm trying to think. There was some bleak years. There was a lot of short reigns, mm-hmm. especially in like the early 2010s, and then you get into the Suzuki guns. I mean, the first Kaito reign actually is an interesting thing. Want to talk about that as well? Well. I don't think so because I don't think he was at the level that um, – now, I know Dylan does, and he will get angry at me at that at this one. But I still think – like I think back to that Keno versus uh, um, uh, Kaido match at Sumo Hall in, was it November 2019? Uh, like that uh, – Yeah, November, yeah, 2nd of November. That, meant, that match went 30, 35 minutes, and I thought it just went way too long for like – Kaido's experience level at that time. It wasn't until he lost the title that I... I mean, look, I always thought Kaido was a very good worker and clearly, like, this guy's going to be a future megastar, but he was always, like, a three and a half, three point seven five 3.75 wrestler when you sort of expect the GHC, you know, champion to be, like, a four-star wrestler at least. Yeah. But now I think Kaido's the best worker on the roster, <laughs> so... He's definitely up there, yeah. It's... Uh... It's 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 actually going to be interesting. Like to me, it's still the Kobashi reign right now. But I'm really curious if they actually if this actually goes the way we think it is with Kaito winning the title from Kano in January, and then if he has a really long reign after that, I think that might well, have yeah, a chance to challenge the Kobashi reign. Absolutely, for sure. Um, and then for Junior, I would go with Kenta's first reign. He when he won he beat um, Kano, uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru at the Noah Destiny show. Uh, there were some really great matches in that reign. There was a great match against Suwa. There was a match against Low Key in Ring of Honor. And oh, who else did he defend against? Oh, and his he lost the title to Sugera in another really good match. And like it was a pretty sizable long reign too, because um, a lot of the other junior title got tended to like bounce around a lot more. So to me, that was probably the best one. Yeah, see, I'm certainly yeah. better than anything recently. See, I'm actually going with the just prior reign. Like I'm going with the man that he beat for the title. I'm actually going with Kanemaru's third reign with the title, just prior to the Kenta reign, because there's a lot of like I think it's kind of underrated. There's a lot of amazing stuff in there because he beats Liger for the title in like an absolute like great match, 
at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, then the match where he, where he loses it to Kenta, that's great. And then there's like a lot of like really good title defenses against like Segura and Loki in there as well. And that was yeah. like, and they're like so kind of the same length as well. So like again, they're both like two fairly lengthy reigns. When that was like really like, it was like a really interesting period of stability for the title, as you said, because it's just been bouncing around so much otherwise. Yeah, because I was looking at the title lineage and it was like you know, 130, 140 mm -hmm. days in between. And then they both had like year long yeah. reigns. And then our final question comes from Boston, Tony at Tony McGill, 14 overall thoughts on all Japan booking decisions. Where do we go from here? Well, we sort of talked about this from the bit. I think still at the end of the day, you can make a business case that you had to do Suwama versus Kento at the Budokan. I'm not convinced. 100% on that. I think you could have built up Yuma to be in the main event if you had done it properly. And I think going from here, well, I think as soon as that Budokan show is over, you got to pivot to, you know, back to Yuma, back to, you know, hopefully Naoya Nomura is with the company full time. And I think those are your guys that you go with. Also, you can start moving up Honda. And it's sort of, we sort of forget him now, even though I was so so high on him Ashino mm -hmm. I think he should be in the mix and then I think you can move him up there if you know afterwards because what is Kento going to defend against Ishikawa and Suwama well he, he's going to be he's like you know Kento's running out of challengers and he's going to be champion yeah. again so it's going to be very important to like start moving that young talent up and that's really going to be to me their top priority after Budokan and they've got like a rookie debuting in the Saito brothers returning so you know i think it's hopefully that's what they do because it gives them a really good opening start fresh after budokan yeah what i'm actually wondering about now is maybe if the return of nomura has actually changed their booking plans because maybe they actually had the plan to have yuma in the main event here but then because yuma was doing the stuff of nomura that maybe that changed their plans yeah, that's very possible. Because um, I think, actually, I think we didn't discuss this. I think No More is going to the finals oh, against yeah. Kanto in the yeah, 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 yeah. That to me is also seems to be pretty. And like they're going to do like No More with No More in the semifinals. Oh, you think you think Takuya is beating Jake? Eh, I could definitely see that happening. I I had it as uh, Jake versus. I mean, Nomura. yeah, I could see that happening as well. But I just really want to see No More versus No More. Because have they had, did they have a match since, because they had a match, like years, yeah, it was, like yeah, an, it was opening an opening match, match on, uh, mm -hmm. on a Big Japan Sumo Young Hall, boys. on a Big Japan Sumo Hall show. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that would be an incredible match yeah. if they go with it. And I think because Jake so, right yeah. now doesn't, just doesn't feel important at all. So I think it's fine if you, like, if he loses to the Well, career. yeah, but I, I think Yuma and Jake are going to the finals or either winning the real world tag league. Yeah, so again, you don't need to have Jake like in the semifinals here, even if he's like doing a tag run afterwards. That's true too. Yeah, and what I guess we're on since we're on the topic. Do you think Yuji Nagata might be challenging for the tag titles at Budokan with someone? I could see that happening, although because I think he's beaten Nishino. I could see that happening, but at the same time, I'm also 
kind of thinking if we could see Taru and uh, Kono challenge for the belts. If they do, oh, if they God. do Black Tiger versus Tiger Mask, and they're doing Suwama versus Kento, then it would, then the tag title match would be like the only one without uh, Wudu Murderer's involvement. So yeah, that I could see that happening. That's too. also yep. Anyway, so yeah, I, there's a lot to happen that could happen in all Japan, but I hope they're careful <laughs> and well thought out with, with what they do about it. All right, Paul, uh, that's all the questions. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or anything at all? At no, all? nothing right now. It's I'm just really looking forward now what, that we get into the N1. I'm really looking forward to that tournament. I think it, it's a really yeah. good roster. Let, let's be honest, it could be better than it the It could G1. actually be better than the G1. Uh, it's a really good roster. Uh, and if they deliver, I think that could be really amazing. And I mean, they haven't announced it yet, but I'm still holding. Ho- I'm I'm holding out hope that maybe we'll get maybe like cheering for the finals or something. So maybe at some point um, people have to be allowed yeah. to cheer again in Japan. I don't know. Hopefully, sometime in well, the next it, four years. I thought I read something, and this is a couple of weeks ago, but like the 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 peak of this latest um wave is supposed to like end in the um middle of august or so so maybe in september things will be a little better oh and that's what we should say like people are a lot of people are getting covid right now Uh, so fingers crossed that nobody's big shows get yeah or the tournament as well because new japan just had a close call there with uh with jay white Yep. So, yeah, that could still rear its ugly head, unfortunately. All right. So that's it for uh, this week, this episode. We'll be back talking about more Royal Road and into the first few nights of the N1. So for Paul Vosch, I'm Gerard Detroit, and we'll see you in about two weeks.